Hello and welcome to another episode of Stories from the CRISPR Drawer. This is episode 18. Uh, we have named it Kill All Fruitcake 2018. Uh, <laughs> or 2018. It really should be 2018. I get. I know it's in our lexicon to speak like it's to say 2018 or 2017 or soon to be 2019, 2020. It's grammatically wrong for in uh, English mathematics. We should say 2018, and not and. And means that it's a decimal point, friend, but okay, I'm done this rant. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm recording this December 1st, 20... Uh, I'm recording this December 1st, 2018. I almost slipped into my own trap. So, let's start off with, we've almost been, well... Chris Pedora has been podcasting for over a year. Our first episode went up November 27th, 2017. And it's been uh, quite a year. We've had a few good guests. Uh, we've had a few. Uh, <laughs> we've had a lot of stuff that's mostly been just me. And that's because I've been figuring out and I have other things to do in my life that's been eating up time. And hopefully in the future that uh, starts to drop off a little bit. Or I can dedicate more time to this because I maybe I'll find a way to make money. Maybe I'll make a Patreon. I don't know. But, hey, thank you to everyone who tuned in, who downloaded, who listened to this, who liked us on our Facebook page, uh, Stories from the CRISPR Drawer at Facebook. Let me just bring it up. Uh, my <laughs> It is nice uh, that it has been going the way it has been. Uh, you know, Stories from the CRISPR Drawer on Facebook. Uh, you can find it at facebook.com slash CRISPR drawer. <laughs> I haven't promoted it at our Facebook page that much, mostly because of it's just been for fun. Uh, but now I'm putting it up there. Anyway, thank you to everyone who's listened to this. I am planning in the future to do either live streams or video-related episodes. Um, and we'll see what copyright issues come to me getting a capture unit from my computer so then I could capture video gameplay from my consoles uh, using an Elgato system or something like that. Figure it out as we go along. So we will keep you in, uh, you know, what's the phrase? We'll keep you uh, in tune about what we are going to do. We'll keep you informed. Yeah, that's better, informed about what our plans are. Here, uh, I do want to have a permanent uh, co-host, or at least a mostly permanent co-host. I'm going to offer that role to a few people. Uh, if any of you are listening, want to... Uh, oh, yeah, and uh, not just that. Uh, also, I would like to, if you are following us on the Facebook page, uh, I am going to put an email address uh, up for... Um, stories from the CRISPR drawer on uh, JawsConsortium.com. So you could go there and send emails to us or message us on Facebook for topics that you want to see us cover. Or if we had something from a last episode you want to have clarified. You know, generally, I do cover a lot and maybe even just ask a stupid question and who sees where it will go. You know, if it goes a long way, it's not a stupid question. It was a probably really good question. Who knows what tangents we'll veer off on, but still. So, you know... We'll see what twenty what two thousand nineteen brings. It'll be a fun time for all, hopefully. And now that I have a considerable amount of infrastructure put in, and I'm willing to buy more infrastructure, and I will have more money to buy even more infrastructure uh, in two thousand nineteen, it should be really cool. Uh, I would like to have almost a roundtable discussion on a lot of the main topics we're going to have. So potentially two 
to three other guests as well as me and a potential co-host. Uh, semi-permanent co-host depends on uh, who the people I ask. Maybe I'll make it a rotating co-host, but I really should have a co-host. Otherwise, I just rant and go on, which is fine. I mean, if, if you guys like the ranting, tell me if you like it. If you don't like me ranting, I'll go out and go out of my way to make sure I have a co-host every single time I record these episodes. But seriously, you guys need to communicate with me, and there has been very little ways of doing that. So I will fix that in the future. Uh, that will be f solved for you to communicate with me prior to the next episode getting released. And I should have one up. Uh, if I'm following my current release schedule, which is almost one every week now, uh, <laughs> after <laughs> the craziness of September and October and November, I should have one up. Uh, I, technically, I should go to two to three per month is my goal, um, at least for December. So I should get two more episodes up in December. Definitely uh, one for uh, New Year's Day to cover it. Maybe one either prior to, maybe one either Christmas Eve or Boxing Day in Canada. Maybe get one of those up there just not to say, hey, look what we got for Christmas. But here's what happened in our Christmas season. Here's how it's been going because I will have some fun stories, definitely. Um, my brother's wife's family from Columbia is coming up. Uh, Matt, who was on our first episode. Um, his, uh, well, our in-laws are coming up from Columbia. Uh, his wife, Laura, uh, her parents and her s two sisters and her brother-in-law, who's married to her older sister, are coming up. And this is going to be just ridiculously fun. Uh, his Her older sister and... And the older sister's husband are going up to Yellowknife for a few days to see the Northern Lights. Really hope they get to see it. This will be really cool. But we'll see. And we should get some great stories and great things going on with them. And maybe we'll have one of them on. Maybe we'll have... Uh, it depends if they want to come on or not. They have a pretty, pretty packed schedule. Um, because we want to show them what it's like living in Calgary, Alberta, Canada during uh, winter. And with the amount of snow we're getting, it should be really fun. <laughs> so, you know, that's, it's, that is not in the script, by the way. So for those who will get this script, uh, for the, the person who gets it, you now have a benefit that is not on the script. For people listening, will not see this on the script. <laughs> so let's go on to the first topic besides from that. Um, oh, yeah, going back to the one year of podcasting. So I've... Because this is the 18th episode, and we've been doing it for about just over a year, really four, three days over a year, it's been about one and a half podcasts per month. So that's 18 episodes, one and a half podcasts per month. Next uh, year's goal is to get 36 plus episodes out. 36. So that's three episodes a month. So practically doubling this. And if we're having more people on and I'm able to maybe make some money, maybe launch a Patreon account, that would be really, really cool to fund this. And I would like to pay uh, my guests and my co-hosts coming on some sort of funds. I don't mind doing this for free, but, but just buying the equipment from my uh, jobs and stuff and using the money, my personal investment to make sure this stuff works. I wouldn't mind paying uh, co-hosts and, and guests coming on for their time because time isn't like the only commodity you don't get back yet. And I say yet because the generation, uh, you know, the millennial generation and the generation past us, we might have a way to extend our life beyond ridiculous years. Kind of hoping we don't just because there is a point of even though the terror of knowing that you have a finite time on this planet exists, 
if you think you have infinite time, then you do waste a lot of time. And if you think you don't have infinite time, in fact, if you know, hey, I am going to die very soon, you do a lot more uh, to make sure that you're getting the things you want done. As an example, if I uh, put more priority on this podcast, I will make more episodes, I'll get more people on, <sighs> yeah, stuff like that. So, enough about the podcast, on to the next topic, uh, which will be Fallout 76. Now, not the game, because I have not played the game, I don't really have an interest in playing the game. I have not bought the game. And I understand uh, arguments on both sides where it's not the Fallout game people wanted versus it maybe wasn't the Fallout game that was made for the fans of 3 and Fallout New Vegas and potentially 4. It was an experiment by Bethesda uh, Softworks. Now, Bethesda Softworks is unfortunately has a history of releasing buggy games, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about uh, the... <laughs> The bag from the special edition, because this is a weird, uh, weird thing that's happened here. So, let's go into special editions about video games. You buy special editions because it comes with either some swag or some other. I hate using swag. Some some merchandise collectible that you like. So, in the Fallout seventy six one, it comes with a life size helmet from the Power Armor. Uh, the power armor that's been immortalized in this game series, as well as a canvas carrying case, at least according to Bethesda, uh, advertised a canvas carrying case for that for that helmet. And there's some other stuff like a map and a steel case. Cool stuff, like I, I do own a few special edition stuff. Uh, my favorite one I bought was Borderlands 2. Uh, that <laughs> truck is just awesome. It's awesome having one of those. Even though I, I do almost nothing with any of that stuff, it's just cool. I, I appreciate it. Now, I don't go buy every single special edition. Like uh, Some games I do because I, I like the series, and it's just, uh, I support it. And sometimes there is no real cost difference between the special edition and the regular edition. I can't remember, but I think the Kane edition for Command & Conquer 3 was like $5 more or something, and you got, it was one out of 100,000. You got one of 100,000 possible games. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about this. So when I ordered that special edition, and this is back when I pre-ordered a lot of video games. Now I practically don't do. The only game I've pre-ordered. Breaking my own rule was Ace Combat 7 because I want the uh, Aces of War edition for North America. We're not getting the Strange Real edition, and I would really love to get the Strange Real edition just for this model of the Arsenal bird from the game. Okay, but let's, uh, let's leave that alone a little bit. Um, so I bought that one from EA Online, and this was back when EA was not super bad. They were starting to get bad, but they weren't as crazy as they are today. It wasn't microtransactions for everything. It was still when they were absorbing studios, but they were mostly letting them make what they were good at. They were saying, like, just make good games. Make the games that work and sell to your niche, and it was happy. It wasn't like, okay, we have to all be battle. We have to compete with Call of Duty or Candy Crush or Grand Theft Auto. It was more like We'll make games that sell for the audience that wants them. And I got my copy, and the disc wouldn't install. It would sort of start to install and then fail. And credit to EA uh, back in that day, and also credit to prior to that to Westwood, because I had a problem uh, going back to Command & Conquer Tiberian Sun. I lost the Nod disc. And I sent it back saying, I have lost my Nod disc. Would you, would you guys uh, uh, sell me? Just the Nod disc. I can't play this game without the Nod disc. They sent me a... 
a uh, full set of Tiberian Sun completely for free. And they sent me another version of uh, going into the future uh, to Tiberian uh, Wars, Command Conquer 3. They sent me a, an edition of that game completely for free. Com- replaced it, which is good because it's all under warranty. Now, the, now the Tiberian Sun th- uh, was not under warranty. That was like a year and a half after I lost the disc. Uh, after I bought the game, I lost the disc. And they still honored that. That's, that was cool. Uh, slightly benefit about what we're going to talk about later about digital games. But uh, so they sent me a, another version of the Kane's War edition, a much lower number in the collectible thing, which made hey, I went from seventy six thousand to thirty three thousand on the list, which is still a lot of numbers of the hundred thousand versions they made. It was cool having one uh, like that low number, but that's not here or there. Anyway, uh, so there's some legal issue about Bethesda selling. But so the canvas bag did not come. It, uh, going back to it, they ordered a special edition. It was shown with a canvas bag. What was actually delivered was a nylon bag. And Bethesda said uh, in their support, uh, at least one of them. Oh, I just got a text message. Uh, they sent a what was it called? Um, they basically said the uh, canvas bag prototype that we made that we displayed on the advertisement is too expensive, and. Thus, we are not planning to make this and make the canvas version, and you are stuck with the nylon version. It's like, I guess that's false advertising. And then they said, we'll pay for 500 atoms in the game. It's like, pretty sure the nylon bag is worth more than five bucks, and the canvas bag probably would have been worth a lot. And this is a $200 collector's edition. I'm not even taking away from the game if the game is good or not. I'm just saying, like, deliver on what you show. There, there is a false advertising claim. And if you want to check more of this out, go to Leonard French's YouTube channel. Um, Leonard French is a copyright attorney. I've used his stuff before. I will put a link to his channel in the description of this episode below, just because it is worth knowing about. Because there is legal stuff going on um, I, <sighs> related to that to that game. I'm hoping that Fallout 76 actually becomes a good game for Bethesda. It's not good as a gamer to wish a game fail. Unless you're wanting the idea that has made that game fail. So not, not, what I mean by that, my personal belief is, if you want Call of Duty to fail, you don't want Call of Duty to fail because it's Call of Duty. You want Call of Duty to fail because if it fails, it means that every copycat is not going to do the same thing anymore and we're going to get new games. I want like just the follow-the-leader mentality of the gaming industry just to say... like. Step back and make your own unique thing. And Fallout 76 is sort of unique. It's a multiplayer game. It doesn't have the same world as a regular Fallout game. But there, there's some people who are going to enjoy that. And to them, all the best. And for people who don't want to do that, it's not the game for you. Buy a game that's for you. Uh, this, I do wish that demos or like free trial periods existed for these online games. Because then it would give them a chance to peek for people to peek in, see if this game is for them, and get out, and you know either refund or something like that going forward. But the, the whole thing is, I started this uh, Fallout seventy six special edition uh, canvas versus nylon bag thing. Is it's concerning that a publisher like Bethesda would consider that okay, that would not update saying to their fans and to the people buying it like, hey. We couldn't actually afford the canvas bag. We only made a few for prototype and tested it out. We found it was too expensive for us to make a large 
quantity run of, or maybe it was too expensive to make the limited quantity run that they planned. If they had made more, uh, maybe if they made a larger amount of collector's editions, it would have been more worthwhile for them. They would less the diminishing returns prospect would have changed. Uh, it would have meant that they had larger returns per uh, unit, so smaller returns. But it does make a concern about special editions in video games. Just how, going back to the seventh, uh, going back to the older generation, to the PlayStation 3, the Xbox 360, and the Nintendo Wii and Wii U generation, um, how special editions were this huge, big thing, and almost every game had special edition. Looking at you, Ubisoft, you guys still try to treat your primary franchises as like having major special editions. And it becomes concerning when you have too many or they try to make a special edition out of everything. It's like, hey, here's a IP that's like, let's go to Ubisoft again, like their Watchdog IP. How the first Watchdog special edition came with the iconic hat. The game has just come out. Nobody knows who this character is. They have to play it in your hat. And to buy the special edition, you get his hat which we know nothing about of this character, if he's good or not. Not going to go into Watch Dogs, but it was kind of like the bad use of Iconic. But let's stop there uh, about special editions. I could rant on this for a lot longer than I previously have, and, you know, it is concerning. Special editions are meant for the heavier fan who wants something out of this, who wants the special content, and really treat them nice. Like, unfortunately, these are the guys who are willing to fork a lot of the money over for it. They have the ability. They've chosen to save their money. They've got the disposable income in to afford these versions of the games. It's better just to give them the uh, relaxed break of saying, like, you know, we want to experience this game, but we also want, uh, like, the special out-of-game content. Like, with uh, Ace Combat, you get the Ace of War book which is sort of like a history book of the series, which is cool. Um, I would have loved the Strange Real Edition just for the collectible model, but can't get it here. Maybe uh, Bandai Namco will sell, though, just the Arsenal Birds or some collector's kits later on. But uh, I, I guess my thing is I hate that those special merchandise pieces are collect tied to collector's editions. They should be stuff that you can just generally buy outside of the game, like, beside the game. If you want to buy the game, buy the game. If you want the special, like, you know, statue, model, book, costume piece, that should be accessible outside of buying it, like the, uh, what was it? Was it the Fallout 4 Pip-Boy thing? Um, you know, th those should be something you should be able to get your hands on without buying the game. That should be, like, a secondary market piece for that. Just my opinion. So, going forward... Um, last Sunday, uh, I had my gaming t group over here and we played, <laughs> we played three games. So first we played, uh, we always play Flux, a uh, version of Flux and Alex brought, uh, this go around Monty Python themed Flux, which was absolutely hilarious. Um, I'm not as big of a fan of Monty Python as I thought I was because I had a card, an action card that allows you, if you... No, three lines spoken by two people. So it's like character one speaks, character two responds, character one speaks again, or two lines from character one and character two. You get to draw three cards. If you only know two, you get to draw two cards. But you have to be distinct characters, or if you only know one line, you just draw one extra card. I thought I knew a lot more, and then I forgot certain content. Like I forgot the uh, self-defense skit. I forgot a lot of the lines from the funniest joke. Uh... You know, there were some I, I, I really knew well, and 
and you know it's been a long time since I watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which was what most of the game was based on. But it did have references to all the other stuff. Oh, I should have done the spam. That's that's another whole set and the uh, and the cigarette shop. Uh, <laughs> I I know a bit more than I thought, but again, I I'm not super super great that but that was ridiculously fun it just i haven't won a game of flux yet and i just i i don't care if i win it's just so fun and then we played um this game uh it was it was so it's it's supposed to be a cooperative game uh it's a board game called zombies it's supposed to be cooperative uh by you play a certain amount of characters every person who you play uh, you have a character, uh, sort of an avatar-like uh, figurine on the table that you play as, and you have to move around, and the goal is to find the helipad and get f- to the helipad first. And uh, how does it go? Um, and you have to get to the helipad, and the helipad has got nine zombies on it, and you have to clear your way to the center of the helipad, which it means only killing two zombies, and once that's done, you get to escape. Now, there's supposed to be co-optional elements into that game where you're working as a team, but... It's definitely more of like just screw around with uh, all the other players. The game doesn't feel full like there's better ways like there should be PvP like if I if I killed uh, let's say Rob's character I should have been able to steal his ammunition or something like that or if I died I should have dropped that ammunition tokens on that spot or something you know whatever. Uh, it was a fun game. There was some really fun <laughs> aspects to it, but it it didn't feel like the guy the team who made that game i feel missed the mark on what it could have been it either should have been way more of a team game instead of like the first one to the helicopter wins but more like you guys have to clear a way to the helicopter and like you get certain advantages for killing more zombies and saving people yeah it felt like if it had been closer to left for dead as in a board game which i don't know is left for dead a board game i don't think so uh I'm not going to look that up mid-podcast. But it felt like it should have been either that or it should have been completely the other direction where it's every man for themselves. You only start in the center tile uh, in the park and whatever you do is completely dependent and you can completely F... And your goal is to F over everybody else in the game. That is... It feels like they kind of screwed up where a lot of the actions that you could do in the game were totally designed to screw with somebody else, but there was no benefit of screwing with them besides from once the helipad goes down, you can make sure that they die before getting to it and maybe clear the way for you. It's not, it wasn't super, super great. The game was still fun. It just, it, it, it felt like there was more that needed to be fleshed out of that game. And then we also ended with a good game of Shadow Rift, which is our, I believe, our third or fourth time playing. I, uh, I, I think it was our. Th- We've died twice. It's it's our it's our third time playing. So it's our third time playing. Uh, it and we've died first two times we played we lost. Uh, at least I think so. Uh, if we have played it three times we've lost twice. We played it four times we've lost three times to it. So this time we we played it. Um, and it it's a really fun game and we picked. Great, uh, great ability and attack cards that you could buy. Uh, the dragons were our adversarial deck, which worked pretty good. We won by buying, by being able to buy all the walls, which was amazing. It was just ridiculously fun when we finally got to the end. And our team, like we just worked so well together. Uh, the f- five of us playing: Rob, Brent, Jeff, and Alex, and myself. 
we were so good at complimenting each other on moves, what to do. So if somebody did something, somebody else would have something to back them up or to give them like another <laughs> or allow them to draw another card. Like we just steamrolled uh, in the later part of the game, a lot of the dragons and we were able to afford so quickly to buy, um, buy a lot of the stuff plus using various things. Hopefully next time we play it, we get a similar outcome. We should have, uh, we really shouldn't use the exact same cards next time if we're playing against a different adversarial deck. Uh, but who knows? It was it, that was a very good thing. Like Shadow Rift is a really good tabletop game. That's a team-based RPG in how it acts. Like th- that is a really well done game, and it was just ridiculously fun to play. Even losing in that game is fun because the rules say you will lose, you might win, <laughs> and uh, we're I'm happy that we didn't like however many games we've played of it. We finally won, and if it is four games, that's 25% of the time. If it's three games, it's 33% of the time. We could have easily gone 10 games, picked terrible decks uh, of abilities and attacks to buy from, and just really screwed up. But no, we, we did good this time. Uh, some of them were also recommended in like the starter thing for it, so credit to that. And Rob, who owns that game, like credit to him for bringing it and introducing the games team, uh, the games group uh, to it. Okay, so on to our next topic. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate for the Nintendo Switch releases on Friday, December 7th, 2018. Whew. That's coming up quick. I mean, I talked about it last episode. I thought it was December 8th, but I guess it's December 7th now. Hey, this game's going to be good. Uh, Hopefully, it's really good. Yeah, I've been a I've been a Smash fan just because it's it's fun to play. It's just a good time sink for me, and I experiencing all the characters and getting all the stuff. Like it, it looks like it's going to be a really good game, and I hope that uh, it runs really well on the Switch. It's just you know I'm hoping all the best for Nintendo on this. This looks like a cool thing, and Nintendo just got Abzu on the Switch, and I think some other cool stuff is coming up for the Nintendo Switch soon. So there are there like the Switch is still a pretty good console to play. Hollow Knights on it, uh, which is supposed to be a really good game. Um, although its refresh rate is a little slower than the PC, so I know that people who have played on the PC, it runs faster, so it might be a different experience. And let's continue on talking about video game consoles. Uh, Xbox is supposed to be coming out with an Xbox One without a optical drive or disk drive. Uh, at a bit of a discount. And I know the Xbox One S is also supposed to be dropping in price. Um, th- that's kind of cool, especially since uh, hard drives and solid-state drives have come down in price. The SATA editions and the ones that are USB-mountable have come down in price, and it makes sense for digital distribution, especially since when you're buying a lot of these games, you're buying the 20, 30, 40, 50 gigabyte Blu-ray disc that you're putting into that machine. And then it has to download another 40, 50 gigs potentially from the internet and install it onto your hard drive. It almost makes you think like, well, if I'm buying the optical version to go faster and it turns out I'm not benefiting from that, then maybe the digital version is better to, is the better way to go with because uh, you're not dealing with physical um, property at that point. Um, you have a record of you owning it. 
And you don't have to worry about going out to a Walmart, Best Buy, GameStop, London Drugs, blah, 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 like various other stores to buy physical copies or ordering it and waiting it for it to arrive. Now, if you want something on launch day, the digital version is probably the way to go. If you're not worried about like, hey, I want it right now, then maybe the physical version is better. Um, it can be. And then until the patches and the day one releases and stuff like that, that's a lot of things. But there is a concern about um, going only digital copies because do you really own a digital version of your video game or do you, or have you bought the right to use it at that moment and that that can go away? A good example was the um, Silent Hills uh, playable uh, teaser for the, uh, well, that Konami took down a few years ago. Um, was that on the 360 or the Xbox One? I can't remember. Or... On the PlayStation. I think that might have been on the PlayStation 3. That sucks. Also, how when copyright ends, like uh, how uh, Platinum Games has released some signature titles uh, on, under contract of Activision, like uh, Legend of Korra, um, uh, the tr their Transformers fighting game they bought, which actually was pretty good. And uh, then... Um, there was one other... Oh, yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which wasn't that great. I've never played any, all those three, but I wanted to play the uh, Transformers one because I'm a fan of Generation 1 Transformers. Well, Activision lost the licensing for Transformers, so now you can't um, buy that game. And potentially... I don't know if... Uh, I think people who own it can still download it from the digital library, but it is kind of concerning that... Once it's gone, it's gone. It's just like the Ace Combat 5, I mean, 6 uh, downloadable content on the Xbox 360. You can't get that anymore. It's delisted. You can't buy it again. I don't know if, if uh, I lost my copy of Ace Combat 6 on my 360. Would I be able to play the ver the way I've been playing? Or would it just be gone if I deleted it? That's kind of concerning to me. Um, and another example about this uh because, you know, publishers and copyright holders like revoke access or change or there's deals made into this. Uh, another good example is the Grand Theft Auto 3 uh, Vice City and San Andreas, like the first Grand Theft Auto 3D games. Because they have, uh, if you bought the original versions of the games in, saw, in hard copy, let's say for the PlayStation 2 as a disc or on PC as a disc, that game plays completely different... Well, there's completely different soundtracks in that game than there is today if you bought them on Steam because of the licensing rights for some of the music. Now, some of the music that actually made Grand Theft Auto San Andreas really good is no longer in the game because of Rockstar didn't want to pay the licensing fees or the licensing fees went up more. Or and they're like, ah, we don't want to do that. Or it became, like, basically contract negotiations fell apart and they're like, well, you know, we're going to go your own way and we'll got buy some other music to fill in the place that's concerning because that comes into the whole event of uh are you experiencing the game how it was meant to be or are you experiencing the way it is now because it saves the publisher money or because of contract disputes copyright disputes and stuff like that and you know this is another thing that uh if you're going on to leonard french's channel you can listen to him about he does some pretty good stuff and if you fund his patreon and maybe uh yeah i think at the 50 dollar level you can do something at the 500 dollar level you can ask for like what you want done this month or like what special topic you want to talk about in this live stream but at 50 dollars or i think above that you can get 
into the super chats or five dollars you can get like a super chat status where it's like you can ask a question during his live streams streams his sunday uh his lawful masses on sunday morning ask him like hey what do you think about this how do we approach this it is something to think about how the law may have to change because uh transformative works change copyright and you know maybe using a song in a video game Maybe the use of that song in the video game, the song itself is copyright, but the way it was used in that game might make it a unique copyright in the future. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer in that, so there's no legal advice there. Nobody can use any of that for legal advice. Okay, so continuing right along, we are out of the video game uh, category and into, well, it's December. It's 24 days till Christmas, if you're a Christian. Uh... (laughs) And living in North America, where the holiday season has truly begun, Black Friday has passed. <sighs> Black Friday. Didn't buy anything on Black Friday. Didn't buy anything on Cyber Monday. <laughs> I'm kind of happy. I'm happy about that. And if you get, and if any of you listening uh, were able to get some good deals on Black Friday or Cyber Monday, hey, good for you. Uh, hopefully, you didn't spend a lot of money and you actually got like one or two things you really specifically wanted to save money on if not well that kind of that's a little disappointing but i get it i get it uh so it's december 1st i don't want to start listening to christmas music until december 15th at the earliest and preferably like december 17th like my whole thing is Seven to eight days before Christmas, you've got enough time to get through most of the good Christmas music if you're listening at an eight to five schedule on radio stations. There's a lot of bad Christmas music. There's a lot of bad stuff, but there's some good stuff. There's some good Christmas or holiday music. Uh, holiday with, uh, you know, air quotes. Granted, there are other um, religious uh, activities, uh, days that do happen in the wintertime, in December and into January. Not going to degrade them, but true to, like, the culture here is largely Christian Judeo uh, culture from North America, which is Canada, U.S., and even Mexico, which is even more Christian than our two. You know, celebrate, uh, celebrate stuff, but really, Christmas music, be- Christmas music before December 15th is torture. I just... And I, I get people who love it. I don't. I just can't. Every time I listen to the song, Santa, uh, gr- was it Grandpa or Grandma Got Run Over by the Reindeer? I don't even know whoever this sings that one. I'm just like, well, if they put me in Guantanamo Bay and had me listen to that for ten, 10 hours straight, yes, I would want to blow my heads out. I would tell them anything. <laughs> but, so, there's that. So, please. Please, reasonable people, do not force me to listen to Christmas music too early. Or if I am, make it just a day for the event. Like if it's a Christmas party. Okay, that's fine. I'm not expecting to hear it at work the next day. Hopefully. So that's my little rant about December. It's, you know, winter's coming down. It's cool. It's getting physically cold. We got snow around. It's getting festive and... You know, hot chocolate's really coming out and the fires and the zoo lights and all this cool stuff's about to happen. But I guess my thing is don't uh, oversell the music that isn't really that great. There's some very good music, Christmas time music, but there's some okay. And there's a lot of just uh, to me. 
my opinion. Sorry. If you disagree with it, well, whatever. <laughs> you disagree with it. <laughs> uh, so I, I picked up from my brother a few years ago. Um, complete terrible segue into this. But I have uh, Monoprice made a little action camera that was sort of supposed to compete with the GoPro. It's definitely not competing with the GoPro, considering that the first generation they made was this unique sort of uh, thing, which I think was a Sony-built camera requested by Monoprice just for labeling. It's a cheap Sony action cam. I, I think it's a Sony-built frame. But it's it's this... Uh, it has a USB mini, mini adapter uh, and a mini HDMI adapter. Uh, no, micro HDMI, not mini. Um, I don't have a mini HDMI adapter. I need to get one of those for the uh, XA25 video camera. So there's that. and It's a nice little thing. It has no microphone, which is fine. I mean, do you really want a microphone on a camera that you're going to put underwater? No. But it is, it's, a cool, uh, it's a cool little unit. And it's probably going to be useful here in some way, shape, or form. It can be tripod-mounted. Uh, it can also use, uh, so uh, Zoom makes, uh, which is cool, Zoom uh, for their uh, H1 and their H6 and their various little lighter uh, handheld, sort of handheld uh, recorder units. You can buy these little um, screw-on handles that can be used in microphone uh, holders. And that's what I plan, that's one of the ways how I use uh, the uh, Monoprice MHD uh, camera. Because it's good for microphones. If I don't, like, if somebody's got a mic stand and they don't have a tripod, it can be put on there with one of these little $9 uh, handles that screw into the bottom of a standard sort of mount. And that could actually be used with video cameras, too. So it's a nice little thing. Um, the only annoying thing is, is that it's got a sort of fisheye lens. So it's got a wide field of view, which is cool, but it's really hard to aim unless you're holding it. So if you want to set up in a tripod in a static position to observe certain things, you sort of need a monitor just to see what's going on. Or you need to take pictures of every adjustment, and then you have to figure out, like, well, okay, how was it in this picture? How was it in this? Like, which was the one I wanted to look at? Not the most useful tool or camera in the, in the tool bag, but not a bad thing. You know, it just takes a little bit more work. And we are closing in on ending this podcast. <laughs> So I will be releasing a... This is a spoiler alert section, so for those of you who don't want to listen, don't listen. Uh, it's really for those who are going to be at the uh, Youth Leaders Christmas Party on December 7th, 2018. I have I have decided what my White Elephant gift exchange thing is going to be. And do not spoil it for anybody who potentially uh, will be there, because I know a lot of those people will not be listening to my podcast. So I have decided that I am going to print off a copy of the script I have right now. It's sort of just, it's not really a script. It's like a production script, just n some notes. I'm going to sign that. <laughs> I'm going to take the picture cover that I use on JawsConsortium.com, which is also the uh, cover for, uh, for Stories from the Crisper Drawer. I'm going to print that and also sign it in good paper. And then I am going to put every episode, all 18 episodes of Stories from the Crisper Drawer, on a USB drive. And I am going to gift that. Now, I have to give a shout-out to Alex, who 
gave me this idea. No, he didn't give me this idea. But years ago, at the similar at a uh, earlier Christmas party, he had a picture of him that he signed and framed in black and white. Now it's a black and white picture. It was one of the funniest gifts uh, at the White Elephant Gift Exchange that year, and I just feel like it would be really funny doing this. I have no idea if anyone's going to even know what the heck it is, besides from maybe four people at the party, <laughs> maybe five. It would be really funny. Uh, but it is a self-promotion thing. But USB drives are useful I th- to people. So, you know, what's, what's the problem having an extra one? So what if it's got 18 episodes of stories from the CRISPR drawer on it? They're not going to be that big. <laughs> And, you know, just with some collectible stuff. And it's for free. You get it for free. Even though you can get a lot of this stuff already for free. I just think it's it's funny that that's where my mind went on that. Uh, <laughs> and the person who wins, if you are listening to this episode, both the prior to receiving it or you listen to it after you get it all, uh, you are invited on this podcast. Please contact me, and we can find a time to put you on for fun. Even if it means you just want to be here for a 10-minute segment or something like that, or just want to have your name said. I will be documenting who wins this and who keeps it. <laughs> I'm joking. It doesn't matter. Though, if you do want to come on, please contact me. Uh, you prob- If you're at the Christmas party, the odds are you know somebody who can get in direct contact with me, or you have me on Facebook, or you can get my email pretty easily. Well, that's a uh, year worth of podcasting. Uh, look back on that and some other stuff that's gone on. I've gone a little bit longer than I thought I would. And also not as long as I thought I would. Went on other things. But, you know, you can only talk about what you want to talk about. And I have an idea. I, there was a topic I wanted to talk about, but it's not the right time. I'm going to wait on that topic uh, until an anniversary date for something else. And I'll I'll release that information when I'm getting closer to that time period. Basically, I want to do a yearly wrap up thing of something else going on. Um, but maybe maybe um, maybe for the New Year's Day one, if I can get uh, if we're not too busy New Year's Day with um, the family and running around, maybe I could get a few guys to come on the podcast. Uh, just. <laughs> Just to get like, hey, a year in review sort of thing from them, uh, as well as a year in review for us uh, from the CRISPR tour. <laughs> anyway, yeah, thank you for listening uh, to all of you and to the winner of this uh, from the White Elephant Gift Exchange at the party. This is Jaws. Well, this is the Stories from the CRISPR drawer, the Jaws Consortium official podcast, Justin. Justin Jaws Waddell signing out. Have a good uh, Christmas and have yourself a good rest of the year. Thank you. Bye.